Okay, Joshua chapter 2, and uh, we'll start in verse number 1, read down to the end of the chapter. It says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out to, of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came, came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass, about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not, pursue after them uh, quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house, and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they were, they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt. And what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites, they were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. And that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, our life for yours. If ye utter not this our business, for it shall, it shall, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring father and thy mother and thy brethren, and thy father's household, home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be upon our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, according unto your words, so be it. And she sent, sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. And they went and came unto the mountain and abode there three days, until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned and departed, uh, descended from the mountain, and passed over, and came to Joshua the son of Nun, and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly, the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even the inhabitants of the country do faint before us. Now I want you to notice, first of all, we read in this text in verse number one, we see that Rahab here meets these, these, two, these two men, these men of God. You move on down to verse number three, and then you see that she makes a decision by faith to trust the God of Israel rather than to follow the lead of this worldly king of Jericho. And then down to verse 9 and 10, we find that her faith in the God of Israel is clearly revealed as she decides to hide those spies in her home and to seek a way of salvation through uh, the God of Israel. She then uh, concludes in verse 11 by saying, uh, Because the Lord, your God, he is God. Amen. You see, her, her faith was firm. Without a doubt, she states, the Lord is God. Amen. And now in verse 
12 and 13, we see the very next step after declaring her faith in God is to plead for the, the safety and the salvation of her family. Really, just as we ought to do if we have trusted God, the Lord, as our Savior. Uh, Rahab had a vision for her family, for her loved ones to be saved. Um, the Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish, right? Had she not had a vision for her loved ones and her family to be saved, guess what? They would have perished in the destruction of Jericho. And listen, church, we have to, we're coming up to another year. And we can just go through another year again like we do year after year after year. Or we can go into this next year having a vision for God to do something through us. Hey, listen, I don't know about you, but even as Brother Darrell was talking during Sunday school, I want to see some people get saved, amen? I want to see some loved ones get saved. I want to see some family members get into the house of God, amen? And, and be, become part of the family of God as well. I want to see this happen, but where there's no vision. The people perish. Had she not had a vision to see her family saved, this would have never happened. But that was the case for Rahab. She had a vision to bring them into the house of God, uh, to bring them into her house, the place of safety. And then we read down in verse 14 through 21, the men of God answer her. And they give her God's plan of salvation, God's plan of redemption for her and her family. Uh, the Bible tells us she was to bring them into her house. It was a house of safety. Um, and really, folks, the, the house of Christ. Brother Darrell, someone's at the door, if you would, please. Really, the house of Christ um, is the place of safety for us. Think about this for a minute. Rahab was in the lineage of Christ. <laughs> Where could they go to be saved in the city of Jericho? The only place they could go was to the house of Rahab. In essence, the only place they could go was to the house of Christ in that city. That was the only place they could go. They had to go there with the, with the scarlet thread marking the window. It was the only place of safety. It was the only place of salvation within that house. And the Bible tells us in verse 19, it says, Whosoever comes in will be saved. But whosoever refused to stay would be destroyed. Amen. You see, as we examine this story today, we see here the, the picture of faith that is described for us. You see, they too had to make a decision of faith. If they did not believe in the Lord God of Israel, there is no way that they were going to go into that house, into the house of Rahab. But they could just as easily stay in their own. That makes me think, how many today are just like that? How many today see no reason to, to enter into the house of Christ? They see no reason to trust Christ as their Savior. Well, my way is just as good enough. I can do it this way or I can do it that way. I can come up with my own means of salvation. I don't have to come within the house of Christ. How many do you meet? How many, Brother Raymond, have we met going door to door that think they've got it all figured out about how they're going to get to heaven? I'll tell you what, friend, it's not going to work that way. There was only one way of salvation in Jericho. It was through the house of Christ. It was through the house of Rahab. And listen, friend, there's only one way of salvation in this day and age as well. It's no different than that worldly city of Jericho like this world we live in today. The one way of salvation is the way of Jesus. It's the house of Christ. The one with the blood-stained banner hanging from the window. Listen, friend, it's the only way. As you consider this, especially as you think about the fact that Rahab's house was on the wall of the city. You know what? Thinking from a defensive position, it might be in the, in the mind of some people, they might say, well, it'd be more easily accessible for the enemy. Of course, a place on the wall would be more easily accessible, right? I'm sure some in their minds might even have said, well, you know, my house is safer because it's further away from the wall, Rahab. Or Rahab, you know what? You're silly, Rahab, because you know what? My house is going to be just as safe as your house when the children of Israel come to town. But you see, folks, Rahab was not relying on worldly wisdom, was she? But she was relying upon the very truths and promises of God. It was upon the promises of God 
that she hung that scarlet thread from her window. It was upon the promises of God that she could proclaim to all those around her, my house is the only place of safety in this city. My house, the house of Christ, from which the lineage of Christ will spring forth, that house is the only place in this city in which you can be saved. There is no other way. Let me tell you, there is no other way besides through Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Those are the words of Jesus. The only place of safety was a place where God's men had instructed her to stay in her house with that scarlet thread hanging out of the window. And if, if, you, if you don't know this yet, you read through your Old, Old Testament, you read through your Bible, you're going to find there's a scarlet thread woven all the way through from the beginning to the end. Listen, uh, all the way through, we see picture after picture after picture of the blood of Christ. And, and, and in this situation here, in this circumstance, that scarlet thread is representing the blood of Christ, marking that house, setting it apart as the only place in that area that was going to be able to be saved. You know what? In the day, the fight of that final day, the only thing that will distinguish you from any other is whether you are marked by the blood of Christ or not. I don't, I don't know about you, but what a scary thought to think that you would one day stand before an almighty, holy God. We're not even talking about just an earthly army. That would be a fearful thing in itself. But we're standing for the almighty, holy God. And he looks at you. And he sees nothing worthy of entering into his heaven. And he says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. Oh, how awful it would feel in that day to, to, to see that he looks at you and says, you can't enter in. Because I don't see the blood. <laughs> no, I'm not getting in because I'm good enough. Was Rahab good enough? She had a history of a, as a harlot. I mean, that was a criminal career, but by faith, she placed her faith and trust in the God of Israel. <laughs> In the Messiah, she placed her faith and trust, and God provided a way of salvation even for her. Amen. And so the scarlet thread was home, flown from the window to mark the place of salvation, the place of safety. I can imagine that day that many would have mocked. Many, many would have made her out to be a fool. You know how many people look at us as Christians like that today? Boy, you're so foolish. You believe Jesus is coming again. Boy, you're so foolish. You think Jesus is going to save you and take you to heaven. You're so foolish to think that you didn't evolve from monkeys. Well, I think it might be a little way the other way around, don't you? But, you know, the world mockingly looks at us and says those things. But who was the fool in the town of Jericho? It wasn't Rahab, I can tell you that. Amen. Whosoever stayed within the walls of her house where that scarlet thread waved high, they were safe. And they were saved, amen. Whosoever refused to believe in the God of Israel. Whosoever looked on and said, that's foolishness. I'm sure my way is better. I'm sure maybe my house is built thicker and, and it's got more bricks and it's in a safer location, whatever it may be. You know what? They were doomed, weren't they? They had no hope in all these other ways. And I'll tell you what, folks, the truth is God's word is so very clear. There has never been many ways, has there? I don't care what story in the Bible you look at. There's never been many ways of salvation. There's always been one way. Okay, go back to the beginning of your, of your Bible. Look time and time. I mean, Cain and Abel. Cain, Cain and Abel brought their offerings. God looked at Cain and said, oh, that's the work of your hands. I don't want it. I need a blood sacrifice. And Abel said, I believe the promises of God. And so he brought a lamb and the blood was shed and God was pleased and he received that offering because he saw the perfect spotless lamb that was slain in his place for Abel. God was pleased with Abel. You go on a little bit further, you find the story of Noah. And 
you know what Noah, by, by faith, built an ark. In the midst of a wicked world, he was a preacher of righteousness. And when that time of the flood came, where was the one place of salvation? It was the ark, wasn't it? There weren't many, there weren't many boats. There was one boat. And you know what? There weren't many doors either. There was one door. You know what Jesus said? He said, I am the door. You know what he's saying? I'm the only way any one of us is going to get into heaven. You're not getting in through your efforts. You're not getting in through your religion. You're not getting in through all these vain efforts of men. Listen, if you ever get into heaven, you're only going to get in because of Jesus and what he's done for you. There's only ever been one way of salvation. And it's through the blood of Christ. You see, Rahab, as long as she put that scarlet thread in the window, all that were in her household would be safe from the judgment that was to come on that city. They, they, their household would be passed over in judgment because they would see that scarlet thread and they would remember the promise of God. And so they would be saved from the destruction that was to come. Remember, once again, that scarlet thread is a picture of the blood of Jesus Christ. For all who are saved by faith, saved by faith behind the blood of Christ, God will be justified in, in passing over rather than judging them for their sin. That makes me think of something. I wonder, Christian, I want you to consider something for a moment. That scarlet thread in Rahab's life, where did she put it? Was it hidden in the closet somewhere? Did she stuff it under her bed? No. Come on now, where did she put it? Where everybody in the city of Jericho and around the city of Jericho could see. It was hanging out the window, blowing high in the wind for all to see. The scarlet thread was boldly displayed. <clears throat> what about you? Is the scarlet thread of Christ's blood boldly displayed for all to see in your life? Or is it hid under a bushel? God says we're supposed to let our light so shine before men, right? Amen. Is that not what Rahab did as she hung that scarlet thread in the window that day? Not only did she do it because it was according to the word of God, but I believe she did it as a witness and a testimony before all that she was believing in the promises of God. That's the way that God wants us to be with our faith as well. You know what's easy in this culture, in this day and age? You know what? The world is pushing us to hide our light under a bushel, aren't they? The world is pushing us to cover it up. Don't, don't demonstrate your faith. Don't live out your faith in public. Don't tell anybody else what you believe. Hey, Christian, listen, there was a day and age where sinful people and sinful behavior was in the closet here in America, but now the world has risen up and they want to shove the Christians into the closet and say, Christians, be quiet. Christians, shut up. Get in the closet. Don't let your light shine. We don't want to see anymore. I don't care how, how awful it's gotten in our world. Listen, <laughs> I think the darker it gets, you know what's needed even more? For us to be even brighter than we ever have before. For us to lift up that, that blood-stained banner, amen? Say, hey, listen, you don't want to see it? I'm going to raise it a little higher, amen? <laughs> because you know what? It just tells us even more. The world needs Jesus even more than they ever have before. And so Rahab did exactly that. She put it out for all to see. Now, notice for Rahab and her family, there was an appointed day of salvation, wasn't there? Just as Brother Darrell talked about this morning, the Lord's coming again. Well, Joshua was coming to town. Joshua oftentimes is a picture of Christ as well. Joshua was coming to town, and according to the promises of God, that family in that house with a bloodstained banner hanging out the window, they were going to be saved. And so Rahab and her family, they had an appointed day of salvation because all who stayed in that room, in that home, behind the, the scarlet thread, the house of Christ, so to speak, behind the blood, for them there was safety from the destruction and the judgment of God that was going to take place on that city. You know, I believe that's why the Apostle Paul can testify in 2 Timothy 1.12, For I know whom I have believed in, 
and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. You know what? Paul didn't have any doubts, did he? He, he was confident that he was safe, that he was secure behind the blood of Jesus. And I'll tell you what, that's the way God wants us to be. You know what? Jesus is coming. And you know what? I have no worries because I'm safe and I'm secured and, and I'm, I'm standing behind the blood. I'm not, I'm not looking to get in because of my goodness. I'm not looking to get in because I'm a preacher. I'm not looking to get in because of any of the deeds I've done or my self-righteousness or any other sort of thing. I'm looking to get in because of the promises of God and the blood-stained banner that's waving over my life. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so also Rahab, she was securely waiting behind the scarlet thread. Securely waiting behind the promises of God. And I am positive that she was confident that he who had promised her safety and salvation would provide and keep his promises as well. What about you, Christian? Do you also believe that our God who has promised will keep his promises? As Brother Darrell's came this morning, do you really believe that Jesus is coming again? And when he comes again, that he will take, gather to himself his own? I'll tell you what, I believe it. And I believe it's, I believe it's on the doorstep. I believe any day now we can hear that trumpet sound. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I believe before we know it, uh, this world is going to be thrust into a great tribulation. But before that day comes, the trumpet is going to sound and Christ is going to cry, Come up hither, church! Amen. Amen. And so this is the type of faith that we see, that aren't we seen in us, but was seen in the life of Rahab as well. She by faith obeyed the word of God and she was kept safe from the judgment of God, from the destruction of God, from the wrath of God. In that place that God had provided. Praise the Lord. Just as Rahab was safe behind the scarlet thread. So also all who by faith repent of their sins. And trust in Jesus Christ. Believing in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. In their place for their sins. They will be saved from an eternity in a place called hell. Praise the precious name of Jesus. They're saved from judgment. Safe from destruction. In that only place of safety. Behind the blood. Safe in the house of Christ. Are you safe in Jesus this morning? You know what? I'll tell you what. It's an awful scary place to be in this damn world. Not to be in the house of Christ. Can you think about it? I mean, even if you read this story. How did the people outside of her house feel? They were troubled, weren't they? Oh, what, did, what happened to the king of Sih Sihon and Og? What did, the, did you hear what happened to them? Boy, they totally annihilated them. And their God even dried up the Red Sea. Do you see what happened to them? You go out and just talk to people for a little bit today. In this world, they're scared. They're outright scared. They are fearful. Why? Because they have no idea what's going to happen to them when they stand face to face with God one day. When death knocks on their door, they have no idea what's going to happen to them. But listen, that's not the case for the believer. We can boldly proclaim, praise God, I know where I'm going. I, I know my Redeemer lives. I know the bloodstained banner is waving from my house. Amen. And I, I will be safe. I will be secured. And I will be taken to home, uh, to home to heaven eternally to be with my Lord and my Savior. You see, these folks in Rahab's house, they were saved from the destruction that was to come because they were behind that scarlet thread. And you know what? When I one day stand before Jesus, before the Lord in heaven, I will be saved from the destruction, from the wrath of God because of the blood of Jesus that has been applied to the doorpost of my heart and my life. Praise the Lord. There is safety found in Christ yes, and in the house of Christ, behind the blood of Christ. That's the only place... I want to dwell in this world is in Jesus. Amen. But on the other hand, you think about this town of Jericho. It was a pretty large town, wasn't it? There was a large group of people in Jericho who weren't concerned with God at all. Maybe they were afraid of what might happen when God came to town. But they weren't concerned with living for God. They weren't concerned with God's promises or with what God wanted. 
And I'll tell you what, it's just like it is in our day today as well, isn't it? These folks were on the broad path to destruction. And so while only those who by faith stayed in Rahab's house, they, they were saved behind the scarlet thread, they only were on the narrow path of salvation. The rest of the city were the enemies of God, weren't they? Does not the Bible tell us that before we get saved, we were literally the enemies of God? These folks were actually preparing to fight against God and God's people. Although they had the same knowledge about God, they knew just as much as Rahab did. But instead, they chose to fight him rather than to submit to him and obey him. You know what? For those individuals, there was no appointed day of salvation, was there? But there was an appointed day of judgment. There was an appointed day of destruction. There was an appointed day of wrath. And what a scary day that was going to be when that day came upon them. You might say, well, why, Brother Curtis? Listen to what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1. Verse number 21, he says this. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And so although they'd heard the knowledge about the Lord God Almighty, they rejected him and they rebelled against him and they fought against him because their foolish hearts were darkened. And so they had an appointed day of destruction. You know what? There's only two groups of people in here today. There are those who have an appointed day of salvation and there are those who have an appointed day of destruction. Now, granted, the moment I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I am safe and secure. The Bible says I am sealed in the hand of God and sealed unto the day of redemption. But there is a day of redemption. The Bible says, look up for your redemption draweth nigh, okay? There's a day when he will save me out of this wicked world and he will take me home to heaven with him, amen? And I look forward to that day coming. But listen, for those who are not safe and secure in Christ, there's nothing but fear to look forward to. You think about that for a minute. You have an almighty, holy God that created you. He created you for his good pleasure. He created you for the purpose of bringing glory to him. And then, then you, you go and you live like these folks in Jericho. And you lift your fist up at God. And you rebelliously say, no, God, I'm going to live how I want. And I'm going to do what I want. And I'm not going to consider your promises. And I'm not going to consider your word. And listen, I'll save myself my way. You're not going to be saved that way. And yet is that not the vast the way the vast majority of this world thinks about how they're going to get to heaven? Well, I'm going to get there by being good enough. I've been baptized. I'm going to get to heaven because I've been baptized. I took communion. I joined Victory Baptist Church. Not going to get you. My parents were Christians. Not going to work. You know what? My kids can grow up in my house and still go to hell. There's a reality that I don't want that to happen. I don't even like saying that. But the truth is that a kid can grow up in a preacher's house and still go to hell. All of you probably know a preacher's kid that never trusted Christ. And it's evident by the way their lives were lived. They're not guaranteed a spot in heaven because I'm serving God behind this pulpit this morning. Because it's not my house that they need to be part of. It's part of the house of Christ that they need to be a part of. There's going to come a time, a day, and a, a place where they repent and they turn their back on the, the world and their sin to, to turn to Christ, to trust in the blood of Christ that was shed for them, that they might be gloriously born again into God's family Amen. and enter within the house of Christ, <laughs> that they might raise up the blood-stained banner, not the banner of Eric Curtis. They can wave the banner of Eric Curtis over their life all they want. It's not getting them into heaven. And you can raise the banner of Victory Baptist Church over your life. That's not going to get you into heaven. You don't need Pastor Curtis. And you don't need Victory Baptist Church. And you don't need Christian parents. And you don't need baptism or the Lord's Supper or some other religious thing to get you into heaven. Listen, you need Christ, amen, because he alone is the only way to heaven. There is not many ways. There's one way. That's through Jesus and what he's done for us. 
And so I'll tell you what, there's only two groups of people, those who have a relationship with him and those who don't. Those who are headed to an appointed day of salvation, those who are headed to an appointed day of destruction. Well, I hope that you're of those who have the blood-stained banner waving high in your life, who placed your faith and trust in him. You see, when the armies of God came to Jericho to conquer it, these foolish Christ-rejectors, these foolish God-rejectors, they'd have no place to run, would they? There was no place for them to go. They would have no protection behind that, the promises of that scarlet thread like Rahab and her, her family and everybody in that house. Why? Because they rejected God's promises and chose their own way instead. Amen. And is that so much, is that not exactly what those in the world out there today do? The Bible says the way unto uh, man that seemeth right. Uh, which is the ways of death. I'm, I'm mixing that all up. <laughs> but there's a way that seems right to us as men that ends up in death. That way is thinking, I can choose my own way. I can make my own way. But let me tell you, friend, your way will never get you to heaven. It has got to be God's way. Only God's way will get you in. And so we see that these folks, they would have no protection behind the scarlet thread because they rejected God's promise and chose their own way instead. And so listen, folks, there's still only two groups of people, those who have a relationship with Christ, who have been reconciled to him through the blood of Christ, and those who do not have a relationship with him, who are the very enemies of God, like the rest of the people in Jericho that day. Some have chosen to receive him. Praise God, I'm one of them. But as many as received them, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. There are some who have chosen to receive him who have that scarlet thread waving from their life. Praise God, I've trusted Jesus and the blood he shed for me. I can boldly proclaim today the bloodstained banner waves high from my life. <laughs> because I'm trusting in Jesus and what he did for me, for my salvation. And then there are those who Although they've had the knowledge, although they've known all these things about God. Maybe they've even prayed prayers and done religious things. Yet their life testifies, as the Bible talks about in Titus, that they profess him in words, but they deny him in works. And they reject God and they rebel against him and they literally fight against him to do their own thing and to go their own way in life. And if there's any such individual like that in here this morning... Without a relationship with God, let me tell you, friend, there's an appointed day of judgment and destruction that's coming for you. You're not going to escape that by your own way. You think for a moment. I'm sure that there could have been some in Rahab's day that could have said, I'm safe, I'm fine. I'm saved. I'm living over here in my own house. I'm doing my own thing. I don't got any bloodstained banner hanging from my house. No scarlet thread. But hey, listen, I'm safe over here. Isn't that the way everybody is out in the community today? I'm saved. You know what? You're not going to find a person in Danville, Virginia that tells you they're lost. That tells you that they're not saved. You ask them if they're, oh yeah, I'm saved, I'm saved. I got baptized. <laughs> I go to church. You find out real quickly what they equate their salvation to the longer you talk to them. Salvation, they equate with baptism or church membership or good deeds or all sorts of other things. And the reality is they've not yet trusted in Christ. You know what? These, these folks in the city of Jericho, they could have proclaimed all kinds of other things, all kinds of other reasons of why they thought they were going to be okay. But the reality is it did not matter what they said until they were willing to physically get off their behinds and get to the house of Rahab, the house of Christ, and say, I'm not out there anymore. I'm stepping in here, praise God, behind the bloodstained banner in the house of Christ, the only house of safety. Listen, friend, there's not many ways. There's one way. You don't make it up as you go. God made the way. Amen. And you've got to repent and turn to him. Trust him as your savior. And you can say you're saved all you want, but as long as you keep going your own way, doing your own thing, with no care or concern about what God wants in your life, you're just like the people in Jericho saying, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe. Amen. 
I'm fine and dandy. I'm good. Don't worry about me. I'm safe over here, Rahab. She knew better, didn't she? How foolish it is to suggest such a thing, and yet that's what many in our world today are doing. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm safe. But they won't turn their life over to the Lord. They're living their life how they please and claiming their religious experiences as good enough to get them to heaven, and I'm telling you, it won't work that way, friend. God never intended for religion to save you. He intended for Jesus to save you. There's going to come a time and a place where you turn from all that mess, your, your sin and your self-righteousness and all your good, your so-called good deeds. And you just put it behind you and say, I know that can't save me anymore. I'm going to turn to Christ and I'm going to trust in him and what he did for me to now live for him and honor him and trust him as the savior of my life. That I might be saved. You know what? It was only when those folks came to their senses and entered the house of Rahab behind the scarlet thread, the house of Christ, that they would be safe from the destruction that was coming. Didn't matter what they said. They had to be in that house. There was no other way of salvation. And listen, it's the same today. There's only one place. You've got to be within the house of Christ. There's going to be a moment where you've turned from your wrong ways and trusted Christ and given him your, your life, not just on that religious experience. Listen, judgment day is coming, friend. Okay? We're not going to escape it. Some of us will meet that day sooner than others because we may meet it by dying here. You know, I mean, we don't know. Somebody could get in a car wreck today. Somebody could get COVID and die from that. Somebody could get cancer and die from that. Somebody could get, I mean, you list all the different things. The next hurricane that comes through, somebody could have a tree fall on them in their home. Happens every year. We don't know. We're not guaranteed another moment. You better make sure you're ready. What are you trusting in today? Are you trusting in your good works? Are you trusting in a baptism? Are you trusting in a prayer? Are you trusting in, in some sort of religious experience of good deeds? Or are you trusting in Jesus Christ and what he did on that old rugged cross? Are you dwelling in the house of Christ? Have you truly given in your life to trust him and follow him as Lord and Savior? That's the only way you can escape this. The Bible says it's the point in the man wants to die after this is the judgment. That day is coming. None of us will be able to avoid that day. But what we can do is we can be prepared for that day. In Jericho, how could they be prepared for the day of judgment? Well, there was just one way. Enter the house of Rahab. Enter the house of Christ. They had the bloodstained banner waving high from the window. And listen, friend, there's only one way to prepare for that final judgment before God. And that's to make sure that you have given your life to Christ. That you have repented of your sins and trusted him to, to follow him and, as Lord and Savior of your life. Not just being religious. Jesus said, if any man come after him, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Well, I'll tell you what, the religion that we have promoted out there today is such a, such a patsy religion. They say, oh yeah, just believe in God. Just believe in Jesus. And keep following the devil and it's okay. Is there any reality to that? I feel like looking at those people and saying, well, what are you saved from? Come on, man. What did God save you from? You're still smoking. You're still drinking. You're still fornicating. You're still living like the devil and following the ways of the devil. What did God save you from? Reality is nothing. Because they've got a religious experience, which the devil loves religious experiences. And they continue going the way of the wicked. And they've never genuinely been converted to Christ. Listen, those in Jericho, they could have proclaimed their salvation. They could have proclaimed their safety all they wanted. I'm good. I'm okay. I pray every day. But until they were ready to enter into the house of Rahab, there was no salvation for them. Listen, friend, until you're ready to enter within the house of Christ, there's no salvation for you. You're not going to get in there by being a good person. You're not going to get in there by doing a bunch of religious deeds. You're going to only get in because you are part of the family of God. Because you have genuinely repented and trusted Christ as your Savior. Notice as we look at this text here. 
It tells us that when the children of Israel came into the land, the people of Jericho still had opportunity by faith to believe God and get to the house of Rahab. So listen, it seems to me that God was being very merciful, even to the very last second, giving them as many chances as possible. And so it says here in verse number 19, notice it says, And it shall be that whosoever shall be uh, go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be upon our head, if any hand be upon him. So until that day, until that day, there was still time for others to be saved and brought behind that scarlet thread. The Bible tells us also in Revelation that whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, God's not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slack, slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, the reason that you're here this morning, the reason that you are still breathing, that your heart is still beating, that your lungs are still pumping, is only because of the mercies of God. And if you're here today and you're lost and without hope and without God because you've played religion but never truly trusted Christ as your Savior, the reason you're still alive today is because God in mercy has given you one more chance to turn to Him and trust Him and give Him your life. And if you reject Him today, you know what? Today could be the last opportunity. God could say, you know what? That's enough. But I believe every second, every minute, every hour, every further day that He grants to a lost world to a lost people is just the mercy and grace of a loving God saying, I don't want you to perish. I don't want you to be destroyed. I want you to be saved. Listen, God desires for all to be saved. Amen. And his call is the same today. Whosoever will may come. Won't you come? And it's just the mercy of God saying, I want you to be saved. I want you to by faith to repent and to come to me and trust me as your Lord and Savior. To just, to just get in the house of Christ, behind the blood of Christ, and let him be your Lord and your Savior and your Redeemer. Just as in that day all that were in the house of Rahab were safe behind the scarlet thread which represents the blood of Christ. What about you? Where do you stand today? If you were to face your last day today, if you were to breathe your last breath, and you were to stand before God at the judgment, would he see you dwelling in your own efforts? Would he see you dwelling in your own religiousness? Would he just see you dwelling in your sin and in your worldliness? Or would he see you dwelling in Christ, trusting in Jesus and what he did on that old rugged cross and the blood that was shed for you, what would he find you trusting in if he were to judge you today? Well, I'll tell you what, friend, you better be ready. Because it's only the mercy of God that has allowed you to live this long. And if you have questions in your mind, you better settle it today because tomorrow could be too late. Who knows? There are so many different things that could happen. Tomorrow could be too late. And I wonder, what about you believers? You know, Rahab knew she had an appointed day of salvation. She knew that all that were outside her door would have an appointed day of judgment. Is that not what we believe as believers today? Do we not believe that? There is an appointed day of judgment. The wrath of God is going to be poured out against the ungodliness and the sin of mankind. The day is coming where all men are going to have to face that. Do we not believe that to be true? Do we not believe there is a real and literal hell that burns forever and ever for all who reject Christ and rebel against the salvation that he offers? So I ask you, what are you doing about it? You know what? Rahab had a vision for others, didn't she? Immediately, as I told her, you can be saved, put the scarlet thread, she said, I want my family in here too. That was her very first request. You know, folks, it's let us not be satisfied knowing that we're safe behind the blood. Let's not be comfortable knowing, hey, I'm safe, I'm good. 
Is that not how we get as, as believers sometimes? You know what? I'm going to have to have him praise God. I'm walking on streets of gold one day. Amen. I'm going to see the Savior one day. Amen. I'm going to a perfect place one day. But what about all them out there? Is judgment coming? Do you believe it? Then what are you doing about it? You know what? Rahab had caused her to do something about it, didn't it? How many churches today, us four, no more? Oh, we get a good group of fellowship here. We get a good group of believers here. I'm happy with our church family. You know what the sad reality is? That as far as I know, our church is the only church in town that goes out to tell people about Jesus Christ. Amen. And there's other like-minded, Bible-believing churches in town. But as far as I know, we are the only ones going out to tell people about Christ. And not everybody in here is doing that. Okay? And it's not just my responsibility or a small handful of people in this church's responsibility to tell others about Christ. If judgment is coming, if hell is coming, listen, it's on your, response, your responsibility, your duty to tell them. I mean, Rahab, she knew destruction was coming to that city. What did she do? She was faithful to bring them into her house. Yeah. I met a man yesterday who goes to another local church in town, and he was just so ecstatic to see that we were out knocking on people's doors, telling them about Christ. And he said, you know what? He said, people just don't do that anymore. He said, you know, I tried to get a group together in my church to do that, and I couldn't get anybody to do it. And it's a much larger church than we have here. He said, I just, nobody was willing. Nobody would go out. How sad it is to think that we live so close to the coming of Jesus Christ when the wrath of God is going to literally be poured out on this world during a tribulation period for seven years and the people of God have grown so cold and apathetic that nobody even cares to go out and warn people that judgment is coming. You know, Rahab wasn't like that, was she? She had a vision and a burden for others around her to be saved. And listen, folks, if nothing else, you know what? This, this COVID has done something awful. And you know what? I'm not just talking about something awful and that people are getting sick and some people are dying and things like that. It's, it's done something even worse than that. What it's done that's worse than that is it's made people seal themselves up in their homes like never before. People are so afraid to talk to anybody else or interact with anybody else and that they're, they're just locking themselves up all the time. And there's people that are dying and going to hell. comes or are you going to tell people about Jesus? It's quiet here today. But you know I'm speaking the truth, don't you? Listen, folks, if Jesus is coming, I think more than ever, we need to realize our responsibility to get out and tell people about Christ. Now, we can't make them respond, can we? Rahab couldn't drag the whole city of Jericho into our house. They wouldn't have come. But you know what? She got a few in, didn't she? The Bible says, of some have compassion, making a difference. You know what? We can make a difference if we're willing to have compassion on some. May God help us to have that burden for souls. I'll tell you what, it just seems like the burden for souls has grown colder and colder and colder. You know, as a missionary, we traveled up and down the East Coast, preaching at many churches. Even then, there was a number of churches that just did not have any type of any type of soul winning effort, any type of witnessing effort. And some people would come to church, some people would occasionally bring a person to church, but very few people were actually diligent about trying to share their faith with others. If you believe that Jesus is coming again, if you believe that hell is a real, literal, eternal place, then Christian, you need to do something about it. And maybe, maybe what needs to happen is you need to just come to an old-fashioned altar and say, God, give me a burden for souls again. Amen. Lord, help me to be passionate about trying to share the gospel with people again. Because I'll tell you what, we want revival around here. Listen, I don't see how the church can have revival when we have a whole horde of people out there going to hell and nobody cares about it. Come on now. You know what I'm talking about. 
We need God's help. And we need to have a passion for souls like we never have before. Listen, there's judgment coming. And I wonder, are you ready today? Maybe you're here today and you're not ready because you don't know for sure that you're in the house of Christ. You've prayed a prayer, you've done some religious things, but your life is testified. You're still going your own way, doing your own thing. Kind of like the people in Jericho saying, I'm safe, but dwelling in their own house, never moving. Maybe that's you today, and you just need to get right with God. You really need to repent and turn your life over to Him. But maybe you're not ready today because you, like Rahab, you know what? You're safe behind the bloodstained banner, and you know it. But you're not ready because you would be ashamed at His coming because you've done nothing else to bring anybody else within the house of salvation. What a shameful thing it will be on that day. If we stand before Jesus... And we have empty hands because we cared not to tell others about the Jesus that saved us. As we now stand to our feet, with heads bowed and eyes closed, the Lord has spoken to your heart, the altar is open. What about it, Christians? Have you done your best for Jesus? Have you been diligent about telling others about the Lord that saved you? Or are you just dwelling in your sealed bubble without any really concern for a world that is dying and going to hell all around you? Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Preacher, the message spoke to my heart because I really don't know. I really don't know that I'm safe in the house of Christ. I really don't know if I die today that I go to heaven. I'm quite concerned because I've been religious in my life, but I don't think I've ever genuinely repented to trust Christ as my Savior. And God's dealing with me today, and I know that I need to be saved, and I want to be saved. Is there anybody like that here today that can raise their hand and say, Preacher, that's me. That's me. I need to be saved. I need to repent and trust Christ today as my personal Lord and Savior. I need to get within the house of Christ behind that bloodstained there. Is there anyone that would raise their hand like that today and say, Preacher, that's what I need? Mean. Don't see any hands. God knows your heart. The Lord's spoken to your heart. You come and pray. Christians, if the Lord's dealt with you today, you'll do business with them purpose in your heart to share the wonderful good news of Jesus with those around you.